10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. And we welcome you into the Thanksgiving week edition of the Second to None Podcast, Presented by Simmons Bank. Got a special guest coming up here in the next few minutes. Macy Putt from the A-State volleyball team. Volleyball team making a really nice run last week in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We'll recap it with her in the next few minutes. But we'll start, as we usually do, with the football team. A-State football on the road this past Saturday. Final road game of the season at Texas State. Taking on former Red Wolves, Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry. We talked about it last week, just how strange it was kind of getting ready to face those two again. And I got to tell you, just seeing them in person in a different uniform was a weird feeling. And I guess that was always from you from the press box level, right? You never have an opportunity to cross paths with those guys, did you? No, never went down. But at the same time, strange to see them. What about, uh, what about Dr. Dampfus? Now, he was running all over the place the other day. I don't believe they it. Are the 40 year, yeah, the uh, 40-year reunion of their 1982 national championship team. So there was a lot of things going on with that. Bobcats win the game 16-13. to Look, the A-State defense did a lot of things really well in this game. Held Texas State to just three points through three quarters. Malik Straker, I thought, played really well. He tied Mm -hmm. a career high, 14 tackles, also had a couple of sacks. First A-State player with multiple sacks in a game this season. The Red Wolves able to get a touchdown just before the half. James Blackman finding Johnny Lang for a 26-yard score. Third and three for the Red Wolves. James Blackman steps up, throws it out left side. Caught Johnny Lang, spins inside the 20, 10, 5. Johnny Lang is into the end zone for the score. 26 yards on the touchdown pass. Blackman to Lang, and A-State takes the lead with 24 seconds remaining in the second quarter. You're up 7-3 to three at the intermission. Then you get some more points in the third quarter when Dominic Zavada, the Lou Groza semifinalist, hits a 56-yard field goal, the true freshman with his season long. And Dominic had missed, just missed, a 51-yarder earlier in the game against a 20-mile-an-hour wind. I didn't know if he was going to get close just because of how hard the wind was blowing, but he wasn't off by much. May have missed it two or three yards short. Dead center. Yeah, on the first try. But the second one, 56 yards. He had plenty on that one. Play clock down to five, four, three. Snap back, hold down. The Zavada kick is up, and it is through. That field goal tied for the third longest in school history, the longest since 2011 when Bobby Zalid hit a 56-yarder. Hmm. And it's tied for second longest in the FBS this season. So I think we're just kind of scratching the surface yeah. with Dominic Zavada. It's interesting because in between that time you mentioned, Arkansas State's had a bunch of really good kickers, and I don't know that there was a one in the bunch that you would even send out there for a 56-yarder. No. I mean, you had Brian Davis, who was one heck of a kicker. And in fact, we mentioned Bobby Zalad. Brian Davis was around 
back then, and he was a fantastic kicker for us. But Bobby Zalid was that guy you'd bring in for the really long he was ones. The long guy, yeah. And so, I mean, you go back to even go back even further than that. Eric Nyehouse was good, and of course, Josh Arocco went all the way to the Home Depot Awards. He did. You would have never dreamed of sending him out there for a fifty-six yard. No, you would not. Now he would get you about a half yard more than the field goal <laughs> required. He was the master was at just in. clearing the crossbar, but he was really, really good at that. And, of course, Blake Groupie, the all-time leading scorer, was very good. But you wouldn't send him out there for a 56-yarder. So it's pretty special to have somebody like Dominic Zavada and had a chance to visit with him during the radio show last week. And he never played football until quarantine. He was in high school, was a soccer player, but he knew his football team needed a place kicker, and he just decided during quarantine he was going to start kicking footballs and look what it's done for. Good call. So it's 10 to 3 at that point, and 10 to 3 going into the fourth quarter, but Texas State comes back. They take the lead 13 to 10 with just over three minutes to go in the fourth. Still very much alive in this one and you're able to get a really nice return from johnny lang they had been squib kicking it all day long he comes up scoops it up goes 37 yards sets you up at the 40 yard line of texas state but not much happened on the first three downs after that then on fourth and nine james blackman able to find a true freshman deverick jenkins over the middle fourth and nine for the red wolves at the texas state 40 James Blackman with the pocket collapsing, steps up, throws over the middle, it's caught. Deverick Jenkins inside the 15-10, he's down at the 9. Blackman to Jenkins on 4th and 9, goes for 31 yards. Sets up 1st and goal. Then you are able to pick up 5 yards on 1st down, but still not able to get in the end zone. You have to settle for the field goal. Dominic Zavada with the 23-yarder to tie it up with 31 seconds remaining in the game. And you're thinking at that point, we're going to overtime, right? Yep. But Texas State drives down a couple of 21-yard pass plays coupled with a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty. Which, by the way, the next time I see that play will be the first one. You know, we were talking about that. And I asked Coach Jones when we sat down to do the TV show on Sunday. I said, well, did you think it was roughing the passer? Because I didn't see it. I was looking at the ball. Philip Butterfield was looking at the ball. Coach Jones, his response was, I didn't see it either. They never showed it on the TV broadcast. I'm interested to see just how legit it was. But they called that. And that was only the second penalty all day called against the Red Wolves. Anyway, that made what would have been a 44-yard field goal attempt a 29-yarder. Not only that, but it made where they were going to have to go try to, you know, get down there and get it clocked, which they were, you know, in position to do, but it was going to be a lot more frantic than stopping everything and tacking on 15 more yards and then getting set. It was, in more ways than one, a a game-changer. Texas State able to hit the field goal from 29 yards away. They went at 16-13, to and... This makes four fourth-quarter leads that A-State has not been able to hold on to this year. You go back to Memphis, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and now Texas State, and you just see how close this team has been on so many occasions. Which is is a blessing and a curse. You tack on the three games you did win. You tack on the fact that James Madison pretty well into the fourth quarter was a one-score game. Yeah, And so that's eight times you've either had the lead or been within a possession in the fourth quarter still trying to learn how to win yeah 
So A-State now 3-8 and eight on the season. They'll wrap up the season this week as Troy comes to town. We'll talk more about that contest coming up a little bit later on. But mentioned earlier, it was an exciting week for the A-State volleyball team. We're going to talk about that with A-State senior Macy Putt when we come back here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play... Wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are pleased to be joined now from a-State volleyball grad student from Ozark, Missouri, Macy Putt. How you doing, Macy? I'm doing good. Thank you. Well, I, I kind of want to work backwards here to start off. You just completed your senior season at A-State, one of the few veterans on a team that had 10 of their 15 players that were underclassmen, so a very young team that you played on this year, close in a whole lot of matches this year, but won just two of them in conference play, but then last week made a whole lot of noise in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, swept Georgia State on Wednesday, won a five-set thriller over Old Dominion on Thursday, then on Friday just one point away from knocking off Troy in the quarterfinals. I know it had to be disappointing to lose in five sets, but also had to be fun to see this team kind of come together and make a really nice run. Yes, it was very nice. Like we weren't supposed to be there. No one thought we would be there, but we all believed we should have been there. And so we we made a good run. We fell short, but it was really good to see all the freshmen step up and play amazing. How tough is that over the course of the conference season? You start, you know, 0 and 12 in the league, and I think one of them, maybe one of the 12 was a match you really kind of got beat bad. Everything else is down to the wire, tight match, or somebody comes from behind at the end of a set. It was just always right there. How crazy was it to just not get one of those to go your way? I mean, it was hard, but like it just shows you that we could play with anyone in the conference, even with how young we were. Like we were right there every time. It just shows, I think it showed a little bit of our youth in those one or two points at the end, one or two errors in a game where like you don't make those as you mature as a player but we were right there with everyone which just shows how good they're going to be next year and the year after for you this was your last go around so getting to the conference tournament I'm sure that's kind of in the back of your head though that hey this is my last chance this could be my final match every time you go out and take the court and I'm sure that's kind of going through your head against Old Dominion. You're up 17 to 16 in the fifth set. You're serving for match point. Kind of take us back to that moment. Well, I mean, it could have been my last, and it definitely was going through my head. I think it was going through everyone's heads, though, because um, it was the end of everyone's season. But, I mean, going back to serve, I really don't remember, to be honest. I know I didn't miss, <laughs> but I mean, as long as I got it over and in, I knew our team would do what we could do. The rest of these guys we just mentioned, outside of you and you know, Elise necessarily, the rest of them, sure, it's the end of their season, but then they're going to come right back and start getting ready for next season. So for you, as you're heading to the tournament, do you 
welcome thoughts of you know hey this is the last ride or did you try to you know fight them off and keep stuff like that out of your head it's definitely going through my head i'm not vocalizing it but i mean it was definitely said by the coaches and underclassmen like hey we got to do this for the seniors like this is their last conference this is the last time this team is going to play together so it was definitely out there but we all just wanted to win because we obviously had a rough season so it was just going out there and finally putting all the pieces together and seeing them clicking when it mattered the most it was good as you look back over the course of your five years at arkansas state you finish with over 1,000 career digs 1,000 career kills as well just one of six players in program history to accomplish that feat what's that mean to you that means a lot it makes me like just super happy to know that i could contribute and like give back to the school that gave me so much too. I mean, it's always nice to hear that you're in one of those clubs that not very many people are in. It's very exciting. Before we kind of get too far away from your guys running the Sunbelt tournament, again, you're you know, twice a point away from the semifinal. Won as many matches at the conference tournament than you did in the conference season. So why? We talked about you guys were always right there. What changed in Foley that it was finally the day that some of those things started falling your way? I think it just came down to like want and the grit that we had. Like we knew like this is the time. If there's a time to do it, it has to be now. And I mean, I really don't know what the big difference was, but like everyone was on. We had everyone contributing. And so I think it really just came down to the want and the will of everyone. Go back to the start of your A-State journey. You come from Ozark, Missouri. You were actually recruited by David Rear, and he was one of three head coaches that you played for at Arkansas State. As you go back and just think about what this five years have been like, how can you sum it all up? Well, it's been a ride, but it's been – I've learned from so many different coaches, so like – I think it helped me as a player going through all of that and then new teammates coming in. So it was definitely a ride. It was a really nice ride. It was very fun. You played one year for Coach Rear before he left for Houston, then three years for Coach Restrepo. But this past year, Brian Gerwig was hired as the new head coach. Why is he the guy to kind of take this program to the next level going forward? I mean, when we were interviewing him, like we, us players got to interview the coaches before they were hired. So we got to interview Brian and he just wanted to have a very good volleyball program, but he also wanted to like have a very good outside relationship with all of us and cared about our academics, our mental health, going into the community. So he cared about the overall picture, which I think it's very important, of course, but he also, his job is to win. And I knew he could also get us there from having him as my coach my freshman year. I knew what he would bring and what he could offer to the program. And I wanted the program to get back to like how it had been in the past because we were very successful in the past. And I was ready for that to happen. So you had to deal with this twice with not knowing who your head coach is going to be. And if you're playing football, you know, at, at this level, you can go online and see what the rumors are and who everybody says they're talking to and this and that, but you know, there's not that much information for you guys. So how do you handle that when the future is uncertain? You don't know who's going to be coaching your team. Like, are you thinking about it? Or you, you, know, you had to do it twice. How'd you handle it? Well, we kept, we went in the gym, the seniors would take charge and like we kept practicing. We kept doing what we could do on our own, kept lifting 
and like just we were just hoping that the athletic department would get us a coach that we need while continuing to work on our own to be ready for that new coach and you guys at this time what you did that for probably close to two months right it was a very long time yes (laughs) (laughs) well it it is kind of neat though that you got to be part of the hiring process and I mean that's really not something that's very typical during a coaching hire so I'm sure you as players appreciated that yes we loved it I mean because we're we have to deal with them the most I would assume so so it was very nice to hear also just different coaches point of views and what we like as a team and we could go talk with the team about it afterwards so all right so what's life after volleyball going to be like for you Macy what's up next well I have to do an internship in the spring so then I'll graduate with my master's in May and then from there I'm not quite sure now what's your master's in sports administration all right so you're looking at getting into athletics at some point yeah I want to do something within sports I'm really considering maybe getting into coaching but I'm not 100% sure what I want to do but I'll figure it out (laughs) All right, I want you to smarten me up on the the rules a little bit in volleyball. And tell me, I'm going somewhere with this. So tell me kind of what you can and can't get away with what on the back row. What's legal and what's not back there. And I'll skip ahead. And you can tell me kind of how, like I like when you're back there, ten foot line or back. I mean, I, like those are some of my favorite swings to watch you take. You got really really good back there. So. Like how or why? Like I thought sometimes, you know, there's this fine line between what you can do on the back row attacking and what you can't, but you were really, I loved you in that spot. How, <laughs> how'd you get so so good at that shot? I mean, we used it a lot in the past years. Um, it's a good outlet. So if you're in trouble, just throw it up in the middle of the court in the middle back, the other outside defender can take a rip at it and you have the whole court in front of you. So but like the only rule that comes with that is you can't jump in front of the 10 foot line. You just have to stay behind it when you- gotcha take your approach there you go well it was money i mean it was never a free ball it was coming with something on it when you got that swing yeah we're not allowed to get free balls no free balls (laughs) (laughs) gotta wrap it up uh with this macy you've been here the last five years now what are you gonna miss the most about playing volleyball at arkansas state oh i'm gonna miss the girls the girls are what make it worth it they are with you through the hard times and the good times. So I'm going to miss all of them. Well, Macy, we appreciate everything you've done during your time at Arkansas State. It's been really fun watching you play. And good luck to you going forward. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's Macy Putt joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to Done podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Talk a little hoops now. The men's basketball team going one and one last week. They defeated Lyon at home last Monday, then went out to Northern California, took on UC Davis on Friday. They dropped that one by the score of 75-60, to 60, a game in which 
the A-State defense did force 18 turnovers, but a cold shooting night. They shot just 35%. Caleb Fields was the biggest bright spot for the Red Wolves. He had a career-high 25 points, seven boards, three steals. But, again, those shots, for the most part, just wouldn't fall. And, you know, against a pretty good team, you know, we'll see over the course of the year. And I know, you know, over here we don't have a reason to know if UC Davis is any good or not. But they are. And, you know, that's a long way to go for a game. It was the the makeup of a multi-team event, I think, pre-COVID even, maybe when UC Davis yeah, three years came ago. out here. So you're just now making kind of good on that. And then uh, – you know, after the the home win, taking care of business uh, the other night, and then getting set for uh, you know big one, depending on when you're listening to this, perhaps even tonight. The uh, men now two and two on the season, and you're right, they're home for four in a row now, starting on Tuesday night. And the three games this week are part of a multi-team event. They'll take on UT Martin Tuesday at 5, early start time for that one. Then Friday at 7, Prairie View A&M will be in town. And then Sunday at 2 against Bethel University. So a really busy week for the A-State men. Well, you got a a UT Martin team that's – Three and three, right? And honestly, that record sort of caught me by surprise because I know that they're, you know, I think picked to win their league and uh, pick third in their or, league. Or, you know, picked to be up there. They're going to be actually some people that maybe officially I've seen some actually some media people pick them to win that league. Yeah, but they're coming in here off a four point loss at Ole Miss Friday night. They've already played their first game against Prairie View A&M, first game of this multi team event. They were able to defeat them, but. Yeah, it's going to be a nice challenge. Looking for a home win on Tuesday and then hopefully able to get a couple of more wins after that Friday and Sunday. The women, meanwhile, after losing a second-half lead at Tennessee Martin last Monday, able to bounce back with a couple of wins. They defeated Hendricks at home last Wednesday. And then a 63-57 victory over Utah State Saturday afternoon in Jonesboro. And I know you got to be a part of this down 23 to 12 after the first quarter the women able to come back after that yeah that was a, a fun game this women's team is interesting if you take out Hendricks you look at the, the three games I guess they played against division one opponents they have had a double digit lead and have trailed by double digits in all three games there's not many teams that can say <laughs> that I'm sure and, and here's the thing like they have it like coach Dez has not gotten to use every tool in the toolbox yet. Wednesday night was going to be the season debut for Kia Patton, and they were going to put her on a pitch count, limit her minutes, and Lauren Pendleton turns up sick on Wednesday. She's out. Yeah, Patton's in, but Pendleton's out. Pendleton's still out in the Utah State game. So they have yet to have their two preseason all Sunbelt picks on the floor together. You mentioned Kia Patton. She was one of four Red Wolves in double figures on Saturday. She had 15 points, and then Annalise Griffin had a double-double, 10 yeah. points, 15 boards. She's really, I mean, she's leading the Sunbelt, I think, in rebounding, at least at last check. So she's been a really nice addition. And for fans who don't know, what's her story? She's a, a transfer in from Virginia. Another uh, of their bigs, uh, Melody Kapinga. A grad transfer in from UC Irvine. She's played. Matter of fact, I think the coaches have might tell you they she's even better than they thought she was when they brought her in. She started and giving them a nice boost. So it's been fun to watch. I haven't changed my opinion on this team. I, I'm really anxious to see when they get everybody out there. And I think they may be a step closer to that against Oklahoma. The women now two and two 
on the season and a couple of home games this week and they'll take on Oklahoma Tuesday night at 7:30. Now we mentioned the men are playing at 5, so this is a rare men's women's doubleheader when we've had doubleheaders in the past usually it's the women playing first but the men at five and then the women at 7 30 against OU and then Saturday at 11 the women will be home again when Kansas City comes to town and 11 a.m tip time for that one that game Saturday because there's a football game at two the women needed to shuffle around they wanted to get that Kansas City game in early so Kansas City could drive home so they're gonna play at 11 o'clock and that's gonna be free admission How about that? And you had mentioned here on the podcast last week that there's a really special ticket deal this week with the five games, four of the basketball games being at home, the three men's games, plus the women's game against OU and the football game, five games. You can get one ticket for 25 bucks. Yeah. How about that? When you tack in that you can go see the women Saturday morning now, you get to watch six games for 25 bucks. If you're listening to this before the Hoops doubleheader, go to astateredwolves.com and get more information on that. By the way, both games, again, if, you, if you're listening on Tuesday, at both games, that Hoops doubleheader, we're going to have the Bill Street Flippers. They're coming from across the river. Man, I love the Bill Street Flippers. They'll be there doing both halftimes Tuesday night. In addition to all the home basketball games this week, mentioned football will also be at home. It's the season finale against Troy. Our coverage on the radio side begins at noon, kickoff at 2. It's also going to be televised on ESPN+. Plus. But we need a big crowd at Centennial Bank Stadium on Saturday. Last chance to see the Red Wolves in person this year. And the weather might not suck nearly as much <laughs> as what it has for the Red Wolves the last three games. We and need it, a believe nice me, crowd. it's sucked the yeah. last three games. It has not been good at this very moment. They show it what in the fifties. Well, you know what the good news or the bad news? Not the good, good news is the temperature keeps kind of bumping up, up to sixty. Now with it, the slight chance of showers grows a hair. That's it's still not a it's big slight. risk. It is slight, but the highs up to sixty. And listen, we need a big crowd for a lot of reasons. Number one, Troy's going to come in here and try to take this deal over because they're playing they for a spot a lot, in the Sunbelt game. A lot on the line. I found out just before I came. To record this podcast with you on Monday as we're sitting here, they're bringing their band. Really? Yeah. They're six and one. South Alabama is six and one. So Troy needs to win to solidify their spot as Western Division champions and get to next week's Sunbelt Championship game. Because if they lose and South Alabama wins, it'll be the Jaguars moving on as the Western Division champs. So yeah, Troy with a lot on the line. We know they're going to be coming in with their band for which think these are kids now these band kids think about it. these are band kids that got told you can't go home on thanksgiving weekend because you're going to jonesboro unless they bring them back on friday and maybe they cut them loose and bring them back in friday but either way they're cutting their weekend short meanwhile it's senior day for the red wolves and we'll see guys like james blackman and johnny lang who have kind of been on the ground floor of butch jones program here at arkansas state see them get honored before the game everybody knows you know with all the close losses all the could have been what should have been this year this is a chance to end the season on a high note and what a high note it would be going into the offseason if the red wolves were able to find a way to come out with a win on saturday oh it'd be quite a springboard 
and do that because there's a lot of guys who have played a bunch of football here in these last couple of years going through senior day. So if you could end this for those guys on a note, for the program on a high note, and actually give this coaching staff then that momentum to go finish up recruiting, which <laughs> they're really good at anyway, it would be a big moment for sure. Anything else we need to talk about before we get out of here? No, I emptied the tank before we ever got started <laughs> off the air. <laughs> I know you did. We talk about a lot of things that we can't talk about on other platforms here on this podcast, but there's also things we can't talk about on this particular platform. That we ought not. It would be in our best interest not to. None of that is code for we were talking about bad about anybody associated with Arkansas State. It was not. We appreciate Macy Putt coming by and spending time with us. Again, congratulations to her on a fantastic career with the A-State volleyball program. Hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll be back to join you again next week for another edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.